Welcome back to the program. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, I thank you for the gift of Lent, and I ask again, humbly, Lord, for the merciful uh, blessings that you have in store for, for us and for all who are listening, that we would become opened to hear your voice, we'd be able to discern your call, and that we would respond quickly and completely to what it is you are asking of us. I pray, Lord, that you would use this Lent to cleanse our hearts and our minds. Cleanse us, Lord, that we would be vessels worthy and ready to be of service to you in new ways. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. In the, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Carrie, so much to say. I'm just going to dive right in. I've been very touched by three different statements of um, a, a young man who's 17 and a young woman who's 18. Do you have any idea who I'm talking about? No. No, that's good. I like I'll this. I'll just think my kids. Nice. But we don't have an 18-year-old, or do we? We don't have an 18-year-old girl. Okay. Yeah, actually, is Ariana 18? Yeah, she's 18. But it's not Ariana. She's not the inspiring one. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Yeah, but the uh, the young man is John Mark. Okay. So I'll I'll start with him, and then I want to end up with the 18 year old young woman that we heard last night share at the revival. Very powerful. So John Mark said two things in in the matter of just a day, a 24 hour period. Um, when we go when we pray a rosary at night, sometimes we end up praying so late that we miss the window to do a family rosary. And so, and then it's like, and then how many, then four were left and then three, and then it comes down to John Mark who will say to me, dad, do you want to pray a rosary? And I have made it my own personal position to always answer quickly and enthusiastically with the yes, of course, let's go. Great job. And when we, that sounds like me. Just, just kind of putting that out there, yeah. Um, so when we when we um, start our rosary, ordinarily, if I'm leading the rosary with everyone, I'll just say the opening prayer. I won't say to everyone, and what else do you want to pray for? Like a rare occasion, because it'll just extend things out really long. But with John Mark, I'll, I'll say, what do you want to pray for? And he says something pretty much every time that is so moving to me. I've never said it to him. And I'm wondering where he got it from because he didn't get it from me. <laughs> but it's very moving. <laughs> Definitely from me. <laughs> yeah. No, I think he got it from Father Gordon. Uh, or maybe um, maybe it was Father Schmitz and listening to that the Bible in the year. Or, or I don't know where he got it. Maybe he pieced it together from something I've said. But what he says is, he says, Lord, I, I ask that you would give me and my dad and John Luke, as the men of the home, the grace to set a good example of purity, that we would be pure and that we would protect the purity of the women in this house. Isn't that powerful? Wow, that's really beautiful. Yeah. And so he's praying that. Every time he prays the rosary, he's praying for his own purity, and then he's praying for the protection of the purity of his sisters and the women in the house. It's just very powerful. And um, he, even if I have said a certain prayer, like I'll pray for every one of the kids in the house, right? And, and the kids that are out of the house, the, the four oldest, he will go back and pray for them as well, putting in his own personal prayer for them, for his four sisters that are out of the home. And I can just hear it, just how uh, meaningful, um, how, how authentic it is when he um, prays that way. So now your rosary is a half hour long? Yeah, it's about a half you hour. See me? <laughs> Just joking. Oh. <laughs> Terrible. You're making these beautiful points and I'm being silly. Um, what's really beautiful about what he's, that prayer that he prays for the purity of the women is something about protection or something about our prayers cover or allow for um, it's just a real... It, like communal type prayer where you are overseeing the a word, space. The word is solidarity. 
Is that what it is? I don't know what it is. It's connection. It's really cool. Yeah. It's, you know what it is? This is the fruit of my word of the year, which is, remember what my word of the year is? It's a real happy one. Uh, Something about suffering. Expiation. (laughs) I just better write that down. Expiate. Write that (laughs) word down. And I have come to focus more fully on the dimension of solidarity that is connected to the reality of expiation, because expiation means that you're undergoing a suffering, you're undergoing a punishment on behalf of someone else. You're getting rid of the punishment and the effects, the consequences of misdeeds and betrayals of God in the relationship with God and the will of God. And that needs to be expiated. And so when you step in and say, I'm going to play the role of expiator through within in Jesus. It's never apart from Christ. Christ is the one who brought about the great expiation on the cross, but he invites us in on it, right? He, he invites us into it. And it just, how it, it's just come into my own prayer so much. I'm like, how did I miss this? Like my whole life, forgive us our trespasses. Like, when are you praying for the forgiveness of sins that you haven't committed? It's not forgive me my trespasses in the Our Father. Forgive us our trespasses. Thus, solidarity. Solidarity. Is that what you're getting at? Just how much we should pray in solidarity with each other? And the perfect prayer is, in its essential quality, a prayer that bespeaks the sense of deep union with a sense of deep connection to, even to the standpoint of their sins, the sins of others. Forgive us our trespass. Deliver us from evil. It's not just deliver me from evil. And that's where we we so often begin and end there, thinking about me or thinking about just my little group. Is my, my group okay? Then I don't have to worry about anybody else. And that is a sin of our day. It's a sin of our, it's apathy. It's not caring and loving enough about others. And no wonder there's no penance and expiation and reparation, right? What the Blessed Mother called for and what great saints have lived so profoundly. The Hail Mary. Again, you think about it. Pray for us sinners. Pray for us sinners. First of all, do we think of ourselves as sinners? No, it's those poor slobs down the street. Those are the sinners. I'm the one that's on the way to being a saint. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm living my life of faith and I'm striving to be a saint. I don't identify myself as being a sinner. And yet, we're blind to what we're saying every day. You pray the rosary 150 times, you're 153 times. No, no. Well, at least 53 times. You're saying, pray for us sinners. The interesting thing about that is the holier the walk or the more grace present, the less I know I break commandments, but yet I know if it's considered a sin, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with your whole being, with all your thoughts, with all your mind. I can just look at my my hour, <laughs> my half hour, and see in that relationship, it's almost the sin of omission. Was that Would that be the sin of omission? So I think... Um, Sometimes when we say pray for us sinners, we're thinking we're out sinning. And I don't think that's what, that's not really what you're trying to say. Yeah. I, one, one of the like, fundamental ideas in the spiritual life is that you are not weak because you have weaknesses. You have weaknesses because you are weak. And what's the difference? You're thinking. Your eyes are up. You're thinking. You don't have, you're not weak. Because you have weaknesses. Because if that was true, then just identify all, all the weaknesses you have and then just check them off. Let me get rid of that one, that one, that one, and that one. And then once all the weaknesses are gone, guess what? I'm no longer weak. Now I'm strong. But instead, I have weaknesses because I'm weak. That points to a fundamental dimension of my condition, right? So you remember I talk about gift and then desperation. We have that, that desperation because of our fundamental poverty. Blessed are the poor in spirit. It's when I'm weak that I'm strong. It's when I'm powerless that I, uh, I'm, uh, I'm strong. It's in my weakness that um, I will rely on the grace of God. Saint, you know, St. Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It, it's 
learning to live in that. So the same thing about, I don't have, I'm not a sinner because I commit sins. I commit sins because I'm a sinner. So if I'm only a sinner because I commit sins, then knock off all the sins that I'm committing, and then all of a sudden, da-da-da-da, I'm this holy one of God. But no, if, if I'm committing sins because I'm a sinner, that gets to the root of some aspect of my being that, namely, I'm not yet fully redeemed. I'm still a fallen human being, even if I have been I've experienced uh, the elevation of my status uh, through baptism to now I'm a child of God. No, the church is always holy and in need of purification. That's one of the one of the characteristic traits of the church. When you say the church is one holy Catholic and apostolic, to say that the church is holy, it's um, holy, but semper reformanda. It's always in need of reform. Is that us? Yeah. Are we always in need of reform? We're holy and always in need of reform. Holy because of Christ. Holy because of Christ and his gift. Absolutely. Into the family. Yep. But we're always on the way. Yes. That's that. Remember, that's how often do I say become who you are. You are holy. So become holy yourself in every aspect of your being. First Peter chapter 1. Right. So we are holy, but... We're not always living in accord with our own identity. We're living a false identity. We're living in accord with a false reality. That's where von Balthasar always talks about you veil what is false about what someone, how someone is showing up. And when you look at them, you draw out of them by the look of love in your eyes that you see that they're this holy child of God. And I'm going to draw that out of you by how I relate to you. I get that look from John Mark. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> he gives me this look. He's just veiling He's and veiling, veiling mom. And veiling. <laughs> mom, yeah. And he, he he points to something that's beautiful and good, and I think, oh, okay, I need to step up my game. Or it, it's cute because um, I don't I don't feel condemned or judged. I just feel his desire for more, for better. Yeah. In all that he sees. Yes. For all of us, I guess. Absolutely. Well, that, that's a, it's a gift he's been given, but it's a gift he's also corresponding to. Um, so the second story, John Mark's story, and this is all going to culminate in that third story about that 18-year-old woman. The second story was John Mark and I went to Mass together. Um, you guys went to a different Mass. And um, we went to Mass together. And For Ash Wednesday? No, it wasn't Ash Wednesday. It was um, uh, last Sunday. Um, oh, because we were in Seattle. You guys were in Seattle, That's so right. we went to Mass together. And um, we uh, we got there early enough for him to go to confession before Mass. I went to confession after Mass. Didn't have enough time. Um, but um, he, he went to confession, and then um, after confession, I'm sorry, uh, after Mass, uh, during Mass, sorry, during Mass, I was having my mind wander. And I thought about the mind wandering, and I said, I renounce that mind wandering because of the way in which I'm called to provide cover over my kids, and that there's a way in which the way I live affects my kids' life. That if I'm living a holy life, it's going to help advance their holiness, but if I'm choosing less in, in how I'm living, it's going to, it's going to open them to temptations and tendencies towards sin. So during that mess, my mind started to wander, and I, I had to like battle against it several times. Well, after Mass, he said to me, he said, Dad, is it a, is it a sin to have your mind wander during Mass? And that's exactly what you were... It was what I was battling with. He was experiencing, too. And I'm not saying that, you know, there's a direct cause and effect, but the Lord was confirming in me that reality that it matters how you live. It matters to your kids. That's part of your stewardship. I think if men only knew that, if husbands and wives only knew that, that how we live, you use the word covering, provides a covering of protection over our kids' lives, or it doesn't. It can expose them even to demonic temptations, trials, oppression, attacks. 
there's a lot at stake in us pursuing the path of holiness. Amen. Carry him up uh, against a break. When we come back, more of Sound Insight. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. It is great to be with my wife, Carrie, on this first Friday of Lent, Carrie. Boy, lots to say about how that's going, but I want to finish these um, three stories first. So anything you want to say about what I just shared about at Mass and that idea of covering and well, I think just back to solidarity, um, I think, uh, you know, a motivation for me to not sin or to, when I, I shared recently about not drinking anymore, a motivation for for me was how well I wanted to love my kids. I said, do I really want to settle for this in my life because I know how it would impact them and affect them and the relationships I'm in? I guess it's just really, we don't, always realize how our own actions, if they're in negative ways and, and in positive, but I think in negative more so because we're in a selfish mode, impact our kids directly or indirectly. Uh, and I know there are some you know, areas of addiction that are way more impactful on the family than others, but still, I, I think that was always a motivator in my heart in my mind was, I want to be a better mom. I want to be a better wife. I want to be a better daughter of God. And I just wasn't content or wasn't satisfied. And those are probably not the right words. It made me sad that I, I, I wasn't able to love them more purely or more fully in what I was called to do. It, it was a call to love them more fully. How did you connect um, that to drinking? Well, I felt like, you know, if I had a couple of glasses of wine at night, I'd be tired, I'd be grumpy, I wouldn't want to say the family rosary. I, it gave me a lot of excuses. Uh, really? It, so I didn't have... I, well, never, I never really, like, heard it. that kind of cause and effect. <laughs> I don't know. Because Tom's like, yeah, you still don't want to pray the rosary. That wasn't what I was saying. <laughs> no. It, I thought that, like, most, like, the way that you used alcohol, I think, is the way that many people do, which is, oh, it's the end of my day. I've had a long, hard day. I'm making some dinner. I don't have a glass of wine. Yeah, and, that's true. But and I it think... sort of, like, calms you down. It brings a little bit of pleasure. I don't know. Takes the edge off. Takes the edge off. Yeah, all of that. Yeah, but I think um, at a certain point, I was t- you know how alcohol makes you tired? Mm-hmm. And you, you'll you say that. You'll say, if I have a glass of wine, I get really right. tired. Yeah, I, I just don't drink a lot. So, But you're right. If I would drink a beer or a glass of wine, I can, yeah, I w- it would make me sluggish. It, it did. It made it harder to, to be active. So it made, so I really got into an, a simple habit of at a certain point in the night, like eight o'clock, I was done. I would take out my phone and want to go watch a show. And I just kind of checked out. So all of all the stuff I missed, I guess, in those evenings, I felt it. And even though I'd help them with their homework or I would um, help yeah, them with a the project. Like I feel like it, it, it wasn't like you, I disappeared entirely. Like, yeah, I know. I'm like, wait a minute. When, when were you I doing it? What day mind, did you do I'm that? Like, because I don't remember. I just want to be done with the day. I'm done. I want to go to bed. I don't know. I, so the thing is, the, the interesting thing about our, and I don't know if you know this about your temperament, but I know this about me. In the morning, I am strong, uh, committed. Um, what's the word where you're... Um, Caffeinated. <laughs> yep. Once you get caffeinated, you are good to go. Before you get caffeinated, Carrie, you're just, uh, you're like a bear. That's not true. Sleeping bear. Not caffeinated. It's determined. Well, in the morning, I have all these great plans in my mind, in my heart of what I'm going to do. And I have the strength and I have the will and I have the focus. And then around one o'clock, not so much. And then by three o'clock, really, okay, now I need 
some tea or I need something to get me, I don't know, or take a quick nap to reset. And then it slowly, it quickly empties out. So by six o'clock at night, if I didn't do prayer, if I didn't work out, if I didn't uh, have that healthy meal thought about, if I did not do the certain things I was going to do with, you know, budget things, by six o'clock, that stuff is not happening in my life. Now, I, I don't know what other people experience, but I, and I know as I get older, those times are shortening. Mm-hmm. I don't have, I can't go through the night and work. Like before I could stay up till one in the morning, two in the morning, it wasn't a big deal in my 20s, 30s. And now by eight o'clock, I, I just, it's called sundowning. I, my, my brain just slowly closes down. So you add a glass of wine or two glasses of wine to that, and you can see, you know, I'm in my 50s, so helping kids and slowing down. I, that's when I look at people that are like the president or senators or people that work a lot. I think they work a lot. How they, how do their, how does their mind just keep going morning, noon, and night? Adderall. Adderall. <laughs> I just don't understand the, the, like, the strength of people to do that. Right. I'm not made that way. That's your constitution, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I can see that. I my my energy has also gone down. But let's focus well, on think, that idea of Lent becomes a great time to identify those things that might make you slow down, and and and, and not just slowing down, but slowing down in in a way that diminishes the capacity or the vigor or the energy to love, to act in more loving ways. And so we're just not at our best. And so we're not as kind, we're not as patient, we can be a bit more complaining, we can be a bit harsher in our attitudes. So, Are you saying Lent makes you that way? No, Lent can be an opportunity to say, let me remove the obstacles in my life that lead me down those trails. (laughs) Yeah, I want to be more loving, right? Did you hear my prayer at the beginning? Which was, cleanse me, Lord, cleanse me of all those things. Well, the great thing is, you know, I'm talking on a human level. The Holy Spirit and the power of God can break all physical limits. I mean, the Lord can break through all of our naysaying and negativity. And I don't know if I can do this. I don't have the Great. strength. That gives me the third story. <laughs> okay, this is the third story because it's going to link together all three things that we said. The first was John Mark praying for protection over the purity of his sister's Second, the idea that it matters how you live because those underneath you are going to be impacted by your life. And then third, the power of God to restore, refresh, renew, set free, even in a moment. Even in a moment. In a moment. So that has to do with this 18-year-old young woman. I don't know her name. But you and I went to the... um, at. Well, it's, I don't know if you call it an offshoot of the Asbury Revival, Asbury College Revival in, in Kentucky that's been going on for a few weeks now. I think it's three weeks. And it's been spreading. So it's like little wildfires spreading around the country, catching on. Like this revival is happening. And so it was in Coeur d'Alene earlier in the week, and then it spread. It, it's kind of shifted. God was all done with Coeur d'Alene. So God <laughs> said, I'm moving on to Spokane. That has this history of miraculous moves of God in these healing rooms, the Spokane healing rooms. And so there's a church that is based out of there, and they're like, come on, let's bring it on, let's go. So um, Ash Wednesday went to Mass, and then after Mass, we went over to that renewal thing, uh, that revival. And it was really neat because we saw, I don't know how many Catholics were there, which was so cool. Just all that had black marks. That. <laughs> Just look Catholic, 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 Ash Wednesday, Ash Wednesday. Yeah. But it was neat because you had a, a lot of, a number of Catholics from Coeur d'Alene. Again, a lot of them were recent arrivals. Uh, and, and there's just this fire and this fervor and this sense of, God, what are you doing? We want to be, we're here for a purpose. Let's go, God. And um, at some point they had this, they handed the microphone to this 18-year-old young woman. She's going to give a testimony. And it was heartbreaking. It was heart-wrenching. The tragic life this young lady, she's up up here to tell you about how the Lord can restore. I'm like, you're so young. What are you talking about? And she talked about being abused and used from the time she was a, a little girl that led her to being uh, addicted to pornography at nine years old. And I just felt sick inside of me just to hear her describe 
that it was like it was a full meal deal addiction. It wasn't just this kind of casual, oh, I looked at it a couple of times thing. And it, that happened because she was the victim of being savaged sexually by people who were supposed to care for her and cover her. And it just flashed back to, am I praying for the cover? Am I living in a way that's providing cover for my kids against the things that they'll be exposed to sexually, right? So the then she went on and, and talked about the next seven years till she was 16. The next seven years, she talked about being caught up in this addiction and continuing to settle for less, give herself away because of these horrific tendencies in her. And she just said, I was so ashamed. I was in such a dark place. And when she was 16, she experienced uh, the invitation to accept Christ and she became a Christian at that point. But she was still bound up, just bound up by all of this trauma and all it, it was the shame. And she talked about going to a conference when she was 18. And when she was at this conference, it just it was like a year ago, um, she was being called forward. She felt this beckoning call to go forward and to uh, confess, to just transparently state, here is all the bondage I'm stuck in. I, I want the Lord to deliver me and set me free. And she said that she just heard these demonic voices saying to her, you're nothing. You're nobody. You are. You should be so ashamed. You're just what you've done is horrific. You'll never be forgiven. Once they know they're going to reject you, they'll run away from you. And she kept feeling that pressure, that resistance to come out into the open. And when she finally, by the grace of God, broke through and had this massive act of just confessing, she said the Holy Spirit fell, and she experienced this complete cleansing where she was freed from the urge towards that addiction, and she even experienced deep healing, so much so that she was able to forgive in her heart her abusers. And I'm thinking to myself, you are just this young thing, this young little girl, and you've experienced all of this and the horrors that were there, and yet the power of God to set someone free is real, it's tangible. So there's my third story. So amazing. Uh, I think you're relating that, though, to praying for purity, praying for protection, Absolutely. The, the guys, deaths, I mean, statistically, you know, it's what, 40, 50, 60% of the guys who are listening to this radio program have a problem with pornography. They have a problem with it. Meaning it's, you know, they're not just, they looked at it once or twice, but there's their pull, there's a tug, there's a bondage, there's a uh, an addictive quality where they're stuck and they're in darkness and they don't know how to get loose. I think uh, the scripture for Mass was about the Garden of, Ad of Adam and Eve and the hiding, being ashamed. I think that when I was drinking more than I should have been, um, there was a sense of I, no one else is experiencing this. I, kn I know so many people that enjoy alcohol, and they, they don't seem to have a problem with it. And, you know, Maybe they drink a, a little bit too much here and there, but you know, nothing like what I was feeling overwhelmed with them thinking why do I have this this pull and I don't and I want to be free from it I want to I don't want to be doing this but no one else seems to talk about it or have that difficulty or that that um just weakness and so there was this way in which related to the garden of Adam and Eve where they were ashamed and they hid there was a way in which you, you want to hide when you're when you're not just in darkness, but just in like a, a bondage or a human failure or, or weakness. And you feel alone and you feel isolated and you feel that no one else, no one else is experiencing this and it seems like everyone else just seems fine. Right. I think it's very lonely. Yes. She talks so much about that. She talked about... Oh, that's about right. No, the pastor that was calling people for prayer said, right now there's a lot of kids oh, right. that are on their phones... 
and they're lonely and they're on their phones at two in the morning and three in the morning and they are just alone and they not alone they are lonely they and you don't know what they're looking know. for connection you know that's another word for connection solidarity they're looking for meaningful life-giving communion with others well communion not because you can be connected to people online but that's not communion right right Oh, no, absolutely. Yes. So it's something different. Yeah. And communion they think, is a, is I think a, they settle for connection and they think that means communion when it's, they don't even, the thing is, I think a lot of these young kids and even 20 year olds, I don't know if they've ever experienced real communion. Right. Well, it's, uh, we, that's what we're made for. That's how we're constituted, that we find life. We become fully alive when we're in a relationship with another person where there is a sense of mutuality acceptance, giving, affirmation and celebration of the giving and of the acceptance of the giving. Uh, this is all John Paul II language. All, and these are all like each of these things you're saying is a whole talk. It is. It's I take a, it. it. These are John Paul II. You have to read. There's a whole book uh, of essays he wrote, philosophical essays on the person and communion. And So it, giving and receiving. Yes. So the the concept of a gift is that you are a gift, I am a gift. But to be a gift not only means that all that you are and all that you have has come from God, but your very nature is, what's the nature of a gift? To be given away. And so my nature is to give of myself and in giving of myself to give myself to another human being. And when I do that, there's a risk involved. There's a vulnerability because will I be received? And in being received, will I be affirmed and celebrated as that gift that I am? And then in return, the dynamism of one who has received the gift of the giving of one to another is to do what? To give the gift of self in return. So that is the mutuality that's involved, and it's a confirming of the original giving of the gift. Back in a minute. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran, and I am with my lovely wife, Carrie. Carrie, we're talking about that idea of a communion of persons, right? John Paul II talks about communion of persons is an I, thou, and a we, W-E. Do you think, then, as you're sharing this, do you think people, when they like each other's posts or they text back and forth, they think that that's giving of themselves as a gift? What are they missing? Yeah, so... Um, if you really are talking about self-giving, it's presence. It's the presence of the person. And in the digital world, there is no authentic presence. It's something I strive for, like when I pray the rosary or when I pray to the rosary live, I would strive to make it as authentic as possible to convey a sense of present. I'm present to you. And so it's looking in the camera, it's calling them by name, it's speaking to their situation. But then most profoundly, it's if I can be used by the Lord to say a prayer for that person and the the use of the internet is being used by God to be an instrument of the Lord over where that person is receiving the prayer to be touched by God, all of a sudden there's this uh, deeper thing going on. There's something more profound happening. So that's my goal when I when I pray the rosary like that is that that platform that digital world can be used for God to touch someone very deeply and he's using the tool of my praying the rosary with them to help be the bridge for God to touch their lives. So cool, Tom. There's the theology of my praying the rosary online. <laughs> well, um I was reading Father Jacques Philippe and he was this is something about what you're talking about, but not entirely. So maybe you can speak to what you're talking about. He says, uh, if uh, Jesus tells us in his gospel, as far as, uh, is far, um, sorry, Jesus tells us in his gospel is far more reliable. Um, whoever seeks to gain his life will lose it, but he, whoever loses his life will preserve it. If there were not such thing, we couldn't quote unquote, give pleasure, because he talks about pleasure, sorry. Pleasure is good and also part of life. Um, if there were no such thing, we couldn't give pleasure, which is the best way of showing others we love them. But pleasure is not meant to be taken selfishly. It is to be given and accepted. Um, 
I was just thinking about all the times where we want to be comfortable and, and fill our needs and take it selfishly versus this whole attitude of, no, you're giving of yourself to someone else. Right. Yeah, that's, it's, it's this principle of love, right, that says that the only authentic way to relate to another person is through love. And love is self-giving to the point of self-emptying. And by being true to my deepest identity as a human being created in the image of God, when I am giving myself to the point of emptying, it's then that I am fulfilled. And that also is the greatest sacrifice. That's the paradox, That's right? That's the sacrifice. Emptying is fulfilling. Well, wait a minute. Emptying's emptying. Yeah, it is emptying, but it's also fulfilling. Because you're fulfilling your nature as a gift, which is you have this dynamism to be given away. And it's when you just live for yourself, you don't want to give away. Do you think that's why there's so much depression and anxiety and um, just mental health issues is a lot of us are, um, because of the digital world and because of, I don't, it's just so. Well, we talked about this, that the, uh, the. Uh, the specific vice that we are battling against this Lent as a family is eating a feminacea. <laughs> right, you're close. You got it. Candy. A feminacea, which has to do with um, the pleasures of touch. So that's food, and that that so that's food, and that's uh, softness. And so a feminacea is. My refusal to persevere when the going gets tough because it's not soft and pleasant and easy and comfortable. I did have to put my seat warmer on today. It was zero degrees. I was freezing. I did too. I didn't even really think about that. Oh, goodness. I was going to try to like, I was going to go through Lent without the seat warmer. And really? Then, yeah. I just it lasted like, one day? Well, It did get today, close to zero. Because so. today it was so cold. Oh my goodness. I don't think I've ever been so cold. Um, anyhow, so just that whole way in which... We have all of our temperatures and touching, things that we're touching are all like catering to us. If we're too dry, if we're too uh, whatever, you, you have all sorts of things to make yeah, you just keep right. keep it comfortable, keep it soft, keep it keep. pleasurable. And, and that's a sadness, right? That's not what we want for our lives. That is, but we won't be loving, right? We won't be willing to sacrifice. And, and if you're going to live sacrificially, that means being willing to suffer, and you do so out of love, to suffer out of love. So, for instance, I uh, someone contacted me online. Um, so if you wanted to reach out to me, like she was reaching out to me with her husband for real estate help. They have a house they want to sell. They have a house they want to buy. They reached out to me. And Is that a little promo? Was that a little... Well, I kind of slid that in. <laughs> Go to Dr. Tom Curran. I know a lot of folks right now are thinking about it. You're thinking about what do I need to do? Listen to this story and you'll know what you need to do. It was, uh, it's heartbreaking. It's a heartbreaking story. Um, what do you need to do to lead, provide, and protect your family, to cover your family, to protect them from this impurity? Okay, so um, her story was that she and her husband brought up uh, their kids, a uh, couple of kids, and she said... We, you know, grew up in Catholic, Catholic, you know, very Catholic, Catholic, Catholic. And we sent our kids to Gonzaga Prep. And then there was silence. I didn't say anything. She said, it was the worst decision of our lives. You're going to get a call from the bishop. I hope so. Well, no, no, he'll say, he'll say, good job. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, No. Why? Did you hear that? It was the worst decision of our lives. Being around all that awesomeness, all those smart kids, talented kids, kids that are coming from great homes. How is that a bad thing? It completely devastated their own pure, passionate, life-giving sense of what it meant to be Catholic. You almost get ridiculed. Their Catholic faith was ruined there. And what a tragedy and what a travesty, right? So it's, it, I had, I got an email today from someone who's like, Hey, what about these schools? And I just said, they were talking about Catholic parochial schools. And I said, well, you need to ask questions. You need to find out because the default setting is that the majority of the kids are not Catholic or practicing Catholic. And it goes on from there. They're anti 
anti-God. They're anti No, no, the spirit of our age it's is anti-God. Anti- and Carrie, it's this Elijah moment. It's the it's, moment where how long... I just don't think people realize. No, it's just, Carrie, people want to straddle the issue. We want to stay comfortable. It's effeminacia. It's easier to remain comfortable and without realizing it, have our kids get savaged and destroyed on social media platforms. Their innocence is destroyed. Their um, their own sense of sexual identity is destroyed. Their own sense of peaceful um, sense of who they are and belonging is destroyed. This is where you want your kids to flourish and grow and be in this time of their life. And I think we all imagine it to be like, oh, when I was in high school, it was so great. I had a great experience. And, and it can't be that bad. It can't, and I just am like, oh, my God. Goodness, I don't, I don't know how to get a match. Let's light the house on fire. Let's just help them get out quicker. Well, <laughs> serious. You were, you were talking to a, a mom today, and it was like, boy, it's so different—a uh, a transplant. You know, the yes. refugee talking to a refugee mom, and what did she say? I'm trying to remember which one I was talking to. <laughs> well, one of them, she said, it's so different talking to people that have been living here oh, for many, yes. many years. Yes, people that are from this area don't realize that. When we've come here, our houses were on fire. That's what I said. I said, Tom just says the house was on fire, and they've never had a house on fire. So they don't know the trauma and the recovery and what it takes for us to fit, get our grounding. There's no sense of urgency. There's a yeah. much less sense of urgency. That's even a better way of saying it. Right? That sense of, if I don't take action now, I could lose the the peaceful sense of my kids' own self-consciousness, self-identity, approach to living in this world. There's so much at stake, brothers and sisters. It's like, if I can stir you to something in this land. <laughs> I Lent, feel like we just took a left turn. We're going down this path, and then you mentioned about? Gonzaga Prep. And <laughs> well, no, it was just that it's it was like, because of, wait, it was your here? quote. It was your fault. It was, what did I say? I was, it, was self, it was self-giving to the point of self-sacrifice. Oh. So a lot of parents. It was your fault. <laughs> a lot of parents. Hold on. Are we willing to do whatever it takes to preserve the purity, the innocence, the, the the Catholic spirit of our kids? Are we willing to take radical action? And the answer is too many parents still don't realize that they need to take radical action, that the boat is sinking. You got to get off the boat or you're going to go down. The house is on fire. You could lose your kids in, in, in tremendously devastating, destructive ways. Uh, which, I, which I've already just been talking about. And it's like, pray to God this Lent that you become awakened to what's at stake. Awakened to what's at stake and that you'll be willing to overcome the softness and passivity that we often default to because of Netflix and popcorn and wine and the comfort of our particular state in life where we think everything is okay and the house is on fire. All right, we're up against a break. Back in a minute. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. Great to be with you today. Do me a favor. Sign up for our podcast, Dr. Tom Curran Podcast. You can go to mycatholicfaith.org. Right there, you can sign up for an Apple podcast. You can find it on Spotify, the Dr. Tom Curran Podcast. And when you do, please subscribe. Please leave a five-star review, five-star rating and a review. You can do that on YouTube as well. Love to be able to help you Help me spread the word. Get the word out. <laughs> help me help you. Help I you tell help the Lord, me. Lord Jesus, help right, me you know, help you. Lord, I need people to help me do this. So, <laughs> All right. So, Carrie, it's Lent. It's a Friday in Lent. We're uh, two days in. We're two days in. And first day was great. Went strong. Nice. Uh, I lived my commitments. And no, day two was harder. All right. It was harder. I, I don't know. I'm like, am I already running out of steam? No. So no, you can't. I'm hoping, Lord, please give me grace. I, the, it's the uh, the it's the emphasis on fasting. Okay. The prayer part's fine. The almsgiving we're still figuring out. Um, I think that we're going to do that 40 days for life, though. I told you about mm. that. Um, but the uh, the fasting part is something that's really it's caught on in the family, which is great. I think when you said, I'm not buying any more sugar or butter, so use it while you can. <laughs> no more cookies. I know. <laughs> no more sugar for your tea. Well, you know what the biggest thing is? It's not eating between meals. Yeah, I think that's what... So this year, that's what we're all trying to do is just 
have the don't mills. Don't say we're not trying. Don't say trying. I have this is what to. we're committed to do. It scares me to make a commitment. It's like I, I don't know why because then I think when I fail, oh, okay, well, I didn't commit too much. So it's not such a huge failure. As if I say I'm committed to this, then the failure just feels that Look, much worse. Look, as Jesus said, <laughs> do or not do. There is no try. Okay. That was Yoda. That was Yoda. That wasn't Jesus. <laughs> okay. But it sounds good. Oh, so is that you're quoting the Star Wars? Um, no, but it's really good to just do it as a family, the solidarity, the unity. I don't think we've done it so intentionally. Okay, day two. So we'll see where this goes. It helped. When I got home at the end of the day, and I was, I was struggling, and my kids were like, Dad... Dad, we're dying over here. When's dinner? It's like it's still two hours away. Dad, I'm not going to make it. Like I'm going to crumble to the ground. And I, and you know what that gave me? Strength. Strength. Yes. Strength to say I'm in. I'm going to lead the way. I'm going to show the way. I'm not going to sneak some food. I'm going to carry the standard. And um, and and I did. And That's it was, great. It was great. It was wonderful. Yeah. So last night it was at Ash Wednesday. I stayed up till two in the morning. So it was, tip, it was technically the next day, Thursday. So I did get some cheese and apple slices. Did you really? Yeah. You didn't tell me that. Did you, anything else? <laughs> well, <laughs> why was I up till 2 in the morning? Staying up until midnight. I, nice. I, I, love, I used to up. do that. I remember I went to bed at 1130. It was late. We, got, we, we were up late praying our rosary. And I, you were staying up. And I'm like, why are you still up? I'm going to bed. And I thought to myself, it's 1130. I said, I remember those days when I would fast on Fridays and eat nothing. And then 12.01, I would eat the biggest <laughs> meatball sub with all kinds of chips and that Coke. It was the terrible. It was terrible. But man, I fasted on that Friday. I ate nothing and I was so proud of it. It's so funny. My we... younger years. Oh my goodness. I was watching a funeral. Uh, it wasn't a live funeral. It, was, it happened in July, but it was this beautiful woman of God who um, died of cancer, and she was a big leader in the Bethel community. And I, you know how you get on the internet, and pretty soon you're caught up in a web, and it's all tied around you, and you can't find a way out. But the good thing is, it was a holy, inspiring... It was a holy web. It was a holy web. It was so inspiring to read, or to hear all the people that got up and shared about the impact she had, her, her holiness, her godliness, her... A heart for intercessory prayer. Her, she was a super, like. I just have to admit, you get inspired quite a bit by funerals. <laughs> all right, I don't get it. Princess die and cry and cry and Mother Teresa cry and okay, cry. Okay, that was twenty some years ago. I know, nineteen ninety eight. All right, no, I I really find that when I look at someone's life and they are being reflected upon by others. It makes me want to step up and yeah, live. Yeah, what's my legacy? And it's not, oh, what are they going to say at my funeral? It's, no, I still have time on earth. They are, they're gone. They did what they could. And then when you see someone who's done a great thing, it's like, wow, I, I can aspire to that. I can live a great life versus am I just wasting So I, Before I knew this, so I went to Mass this morning, and the woman in front of me had her missile open, and there was a prayer card in there from someone's funeral. And I looked at the date, and the woman was born in 1926 and died in 2009. So she lived to be 83 years old. And I thought, wow, she's had this card for 14 years, this woman, like praying for the repose of her soul. That was impressive to me. And then I thought, wow, 83. If I live to 83, that's 25 years. And, I, and I, here's during Mass, I'm praying. This, this is not a wandering thing, right? No, this was wanders. the Lord. The this Lord was Lord leading, leading me. Your thoughts. The Lord was leading me as I was praying into Mass here. And I um, I, uh, I, said, uh, if I had 25 years, I could do so. I could be fruitful if I knew I had 25 <laughs> years. And the Lord was like... You do have 25 years? <laughs> five years? You, you don't even have control over 25 seconds or 25 minutes from now. And it was like a little slap in the face where... It was like, don't make plans to say I'll bear fruit in the next 25 years. No, work while it's still day. Live for right now the, the holiness that God requires of you. So that's funny that I got inspired by a prayer card associated with someone's funeral. He uses everything to inspire us. 
to call us, to pursue us. So what did, what was your inspiration that you took from this funeral that you watched for two hours at night? I did skip an hour of it. It was three hours. And during the funeral, there were people getting up and leaving because it was like three and a half hours long. Um, but it was really awesome. What I take from it, um, uh, I think for me... Well, her, why'd you bring it up? Because I... I stayed up and then I went and got apple and cheese. No, but so. no, that wasn't why. You didn't. <laughs> it wasn't about confessing that you had apple and cheese. Uh, well, my word Ash for Wednesday the year is awaken. And I feel that watching this funeral is awakening in me a call God has in my heart and my life that I know is there. Um, I don't exactly know how it, what it's supposed to look like, but it's inspiring me to just want to live more fully for him. Yeah. And more fully poured out for him. And not, okay, um, I guess in this in this particular, this was their mission, was they were pastors of a church. So they were doing God stuff all the time. Some people are working or they are busy with, you know, little ones. But I feel like the time in my life right now is the kids are older. And I know I just want to revive. Revive, <laughs> awaken holiness. Let's go. I'm in. Yes. I don't know. I think that's great. Well, and Lent is a great season to reveal this because I sat down at the computer and I was waiting for you when we were about to record this. And I'm like, oh, good. I can play chess. Like it's just a quick five minute game online. And I'm thinking, oh, I can't. I'm not. I've given that up. Oh, let me just surf the internet. I Wait a minute. I can't. I've given that up. And so it's a really interesting thing to realize the pull, the addictive pull that the internet provides as an easy escape to fill time with something that is stimulating, stirring, pleasing, rather than the opposite. Yes. So I'm, I'm like, wow, it, it's, Lent is the great revealer. It is. It's the great revealer. But hopefully what, in what gets revealed we then turn that to the Lord in humility and say, please cleanse me, cleanse me, cleanse me so that I can be more radiant with your life. Uh, in this Habits for Holiness by, uh, I think it's Mark Mary, Father Mark Mary, he says uh, his hypothesis for why people don't pray is the primary reason most people are not praying is just simply distraction, especially with the innovation of the smartphone. There's always something easier to do than pray. We can always turn on the radio or the TV or scroll through the phone there's an unlimited source of entertaining distractions. The problem with all of these distractions is that they're like sugar for the soul. They're enjoyable and even addicting at some points, but they don't bring complete nourishment. In fact, if we maintain a diet of only sugar, it eventually could com contribute to rotting teeth and illness, right? But what if we're willing to step away from some of the sugar, some of the entertainment and noise and distractions of sports or news or politics or other hobbies, if instead we move toward cultivating our life of prayer? I know we'll find something much deeper and more satisfying than soul sugar. A little paragraph from his uh, book. Habits of Holiness. Yeah, it's a great book. That's awesome. Habits of Holiness, Father Mark Mary. And he's good. We That's something that we started talking about just recently, the, the issue of distraction as the contemporary issue that robs us of growth in the spiritual life. Well, Carrie, thanks for that last quote. That's going to end our program. Thank you all so much for listening. Have a blessed weekend. Join me and Father Lewis and Father Nagel on Monday on another program of Sound Insight. God bless.